So I'm going to do a quick recap. We've talked about when the Holy Spirit came in the upper room. We talked about how the Holy Spirit came in a rushing wild of a wind and empowered the believers in the upper room. And did they stay up in the upper room? No, they were out. They got propelled out. The Holy Spirit filled them up and out they went where they saw a movement of God where thousands of people said yes to Jesus in that moment. We talked about when there was a healing of the man who sat outside the temple and Peter and John, who would see this man daily, saw him again, and this time was obedient. God said, that was the day. And Peter prayed a prayer and he was healed. And a ripple effect saw that because there's so many people that saw that lame man day after day after day. And then all of a sudden he's doing the jig in the temple and everyone's going, what just went down? How do your legs work? And he gives all the glory to God. Ripple effect takes place and 5,000 plus people turn to Jesus. We start seeing the boldness and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to his followers. Last week we heard that Peter and John were then questioned. They went, they got taken because this man got healed. And they took them and they got uh, questioned by the religious authorities and threatened by the religious authorities saying, don't you ever speak Jesus again. But I got nothing on you, so I guess you guys are released. So they walked out and they're going, guess what happened, guys? Guess what Jesus did? Guess what happened? And then there was praises to God, and they were uh, not going to hold back when they were told and threatened. And the religious people were thinking, you know what, if I can cause fear in these people, if I can just shut them up in these people, then the problem is going to disappear. If I can threaten them with death, they're going to be quiet. But actually, it did the opposite. So I'm titling my message today, Don't Stop Now. Don't stop now. If the disciples stopped, if they chose that it was not worth it, it was too dangerous, how many lives would have missed out on a redemption? But since Peter and John experienced and saw the power of Jesus, the more opposition that came against them, the more the mission and purpose was driven into their hearts. Right? They saw that they're on mission, and the people that they were talking to were going, I, and the religious leaders, they're going, You need to be quiet. They knew they're on point with the movement of God. And we see in Acts 4 29, it says, And now, Lord, hear their hearts and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with a healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done to the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting then shook. We shared that last week. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they preached the word of God with boldness. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the word. God, thank you that you were bold. That you did not shy away. That you stood your ground. That you were on mission. That you saw lives. God, that you cared so very much for the souls at hand. So Jesus, we thank you that you sacrificed your own life to come back as victorious. And to say, you know what? I am now going to empower the next. And you are going to go and you are going to see signs and wonders greater. So Jesus, today I ask that you speak so clearly to us. God, I ask that you give us such a boldness. A boldness for us to speak your word, to speak the stories that you have shown yourself real in our lives. God, let our ears be open to your word today. Let us see in such um, bright, 
colors that were going, wow, that went down. I can do that today. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing word. Speak it today, Jesus. Pray that in your name, amen. All right, so today, Stephen. Hanging out with Stephen. So that's what I'm talking about. Stephen doesn't have a long story, but the story he does have is a powerful story. A story where he chose not to stop. Something we may think that our story isn't a big deal. Right? There's me that has grown up in the church. I don't really have a crazy story. But if you ask other people, they might have turned away or maybe they were just like, you know, far gone. And it was like a, a moment where like Saul and all of a sudden God's there and you like did a, you were blind and then you were seeing again. Like it was a crazy story. And we're all like, wow, God's amazing. And I'm going, yeah, I met Jesus at kids camp. It's good. Right? But each story has a powerful moment to it. Because when God is in our story, there's power. The length of your story doesn't matter. What matters is that you're faithfully obedient to share your story on what God has been doing in your life, to encourage others and to give God the glory. If we don't share our stories, you are robbing God of his glory. You're robbing possible ripple effects that could take place and for others to experience God's grace. So I am thankful for the story of Stephen that is shared, as short as it may be, because the glory is given to God and it raised, it raised my faith level and I pray that it raises your faith level not to back down, even in what we would consider the worst situation ever. So a little tiny backstory of Stephen. So I'm in Acts 6 and scripture tells us that the community of believers were multiplying quickly. Very quickly. And because of that, it brought forward big needs. Church, are we ready for big needs? <laughs> you won't know until they come. <laughs> right? But, but we pray for them. We pray for people to come because we want people to experience Jesus and health and a redemptive life. We pray for that. But with that... comes great needs. We have been saying, as we continue to follow and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and change us from the inside out, he'll be working on cleaning up our mess with his grace. I can't clean up your mess. You can't clean up my mess. God can clean up my mess. That's who God, that, that's what God does. And that's why I say a lot of the time, the beautiful mess. Jesus is the beautiful in our mess. And the more the church grows, the more of the beautiful mess that will be coming. And I pray for that to keep coming. We need to continue to love, to care, and to help provide the needs for each other as we continue to say, come as you are. I will never stop saying that on platform and in the lobby and outside and at my home. Come as you are. We will not look down on you because of how you dress. I have talked to so many people this week, it seemed to be a theme. What am I allowed to wear to church? And I said, well, today I really wanted to wear pajamas. And if I wore that up here, maybe I will. I'm going to see if you guys judge me. Or we just go, oh, Caitlin, we'll pray for you. Right? 
But I just said, just come as you are. Wear what you would normally wear. Well, what if I don't have anything presentable? And I say, as long as you're clothed, you're presentable. I had someone say, what if they wear Metallica or Slipknot? And I was like, fantastic. Come as you are. Come, please, as you are. No judgment, just come. One great need we see in Acts 6 was that they needed to organize the distribution of food to the poor. But the apostles did not have the time to do the food administration and the distribution as well as the preaching responsibilities and on the pastoral care. That is a huge load to carry. And something will fumble if there could not be a solution, but there was a solution. They figured out team, people, community, the church. We're not meant to do life alone, ever. Nothing is supposed to be done alone. And we all know it's impossible to do everything by ourselves, even though we think we can at times. But 1 Corinthians 12 tells us how we are to operate, how we are to work together as a team. Because all we have is that you guys have different strengths than this side. And you have different talents than this side. When you have different gifts than this side. But if you bring it all together, there's nothing fumbling. We all got this. We're moving forward. So they chose a team of seven to manage this ministry. And one of the seven was Stephen, who was a man of faith and filled with the Holy Spirit. So since the apostles released this ministry, we're going to look at verse 7 of Acts chapter 6. And it says, God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. So we're still seeing people's lives being changed and transformed. And many of the Jewish priests were converted. That's a big deal. Now the word of God was spreading like ripples on a lake. We've talked about the ripple effect, and I think that's going to be part of a language for a while. From a single center of that drop, or that, that first encounter, each wave went out, touching outwards, and more and more people started to share the word. And the good news will continue to spread today. You don't have to change the world single-handedly. We do not need, unless God has given you a burden to pray for uh, New Brunswick or our county or Canada, pray because God has given that to you. But if he has not given it to you, do not hang on to something that you're supposed to let go of. You do not have to change the world single-handedly. It is enough just to be part of the wave. Touching those around you who in turn will touch others until we have a full momentum of the movement of God. Don't ever feel that your part is insignificant or unimportant. That is a lie from hell. From serving. And you'll see, guys, I barely do a thing out here besides come up here or sometimes do announcements. We have teams. We have people who serve coffee and bake. We have people who stand at the door and they welcome people coming to church. We have people who come and turn on the lights and turn on the computers. We have people that come and prepare kids' church. We have people who give fishies and animal crackers. And I think they have, what else do they have down there? They had chocolate chip cookies and Oreos. Oreos. That's where my head was going, Oreos. 
We have people who give that out, and that is the love of Jesus. We have people committing to prayer throughout the week. We have people loving on kids during the week, loving on youth during the week, going to do visits during the week. We have people. People are operating as a church body, a community. And each thing this church does will have a godly purpose. That's one thing that Brad and I strive for is that if there's no purpose, if God's not giving us a purpose in it, we won't do it. So sometimes we'll say no for a season in some things because we feel like God's not saying that right now. There is no insignificant peace, but all pieces make the body move. My big toe right now is keeping me balanced. If I didn't have that, I'd be a little bit wobbly. The lie of the devil wants to make you feel worthless and so you have no part to play. I tell you today that there are parts of the body that are not working because there's no people who are still, or there are people still wondering, can I do it? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Even if you have ideas that's never been happening here before, let me know. Let Brad know. Let's see what happens. If it's on purpose with God, let's see what goes with it. Let's release the go. You can do it. Don't know where to start? Talk to us. Let's go for coffee. We're doing really good at down there. Coffee. Let's do it. Maybe sign up for OnRamp. That is a launch pad of the life of what's going on here at church. Let's get moving. But just like Stephen and the six others, he cared for the people. He administrated the food program. He made sure that thousands of people were taken care of. But because he was part of the ministry, he worked with the team. It wasn't just about Stephen. He was with a team. And he had many one-on-one moments to pray for and care personally with people. Was he on a platform? No. He was basically behind the scenes. And it says in Acts 6, verse 8, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. While Peter and all them are preaching over here, here's your food bake. Oh, you just walked. Here's your food bake. Oh, you can see. Miracles are happening over here behind the scenes because he was faithfully obedient. He wasn't a preacher. He was a volunteer in ministry that soon would shake the world because of his faithful obedience. So here comes the dilemma with Stephen. The opposition. Who's ever faced someone? Everyone can do this. Who's ever faced someone you don't like? I say, if your hand's not up, you know, there's the hands. (laughs) Right? And so these people came up to Stephen. (laughs) There was a group of Jewish slaves, is who they were. And they had been freed by Rome. And they had formed their own synagogue. And so these men started a debate with Stephen, thinking that they can just bring him down. And it says in verse 10, none of them could stand against the wisdom that the Spirit had within, within Stephen. Not Stephen's words. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He trusted in the Holy Spirit. And out of their anger, they pursued some men to lie about Stephen to the religious authorities. Now here's where it goes down. I bet everyone in this room, like I said, has been persecuted for one reason or another. And persecution isn't death. It is death, but it doesn't have to be death. It's trials. 
that come against you, usually in what you stand for, what you believe in. It could even be um, insults towards your character. Even if you're faithfully obedient to Christ, they can still persecute your character. In all those moments, whether it's being falsely accused for an action or people insulting your character or even just the gossip and the rumors, which we've addressed in December on the topic of fear of what people think, we need to remember that at the end of the day, what matters? That we need to show the love of Jesus even to those who hurt us, hate us, and persecute us. And all our hands are up, so we have those people to love, to pray for, and to care for. We need to think, who am I obsessed with? People or God? Because if we can be obsessed with God, then that's all that matters because he's going to take care of the outcome. In 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 4, it tells us we speak as messengers approved by God. We're approved. Guys, we're approved by God. We are entrusted with the, that we are entrusted with the good news. He's not saying you're not good enough. I prefer to go with that person. He says you're approved. Our purpose is to please God and not people. That's our purpose. And then looking at verse 11 and, and back to Acts 6, it says, we heard him blasphemy, Moses, and even God. So this is what they're saying about Stephen. And this aroused the people, the elders, and the teachers of the religious law. And so they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, the man, this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs. And Moses handed down to us. And at this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because... His face became as bright as an angel's. Not because he was making faces, going, I disagree with you. What are you talking about? Or fighting back. He stood there and took the hits, but filled with the Holy Spirit. He shone brightly. And it says, then the high priest asked Stephen, are these accusations true? Now, Stephen was brought to the religious authorities and he saw it was the same high priest and the same ruling body that had handed Jesus over not long ago. Stephen could have stopped there and said, well, I'm out. I know where this is going. I am, uh-uh, I'm not ready to die. So actually, I am sorry for whatever I'm being accused for. I will never do it again. Jesus is a great guy, but not worth it. He could have done that. I'm just the food guy. That's Peter and John. They're the ones doing their thing. I'm, I'm just making sure people don't get hungry. Why dim what God has put on us sometimes? Stephen, on trial for his life, did not defend himself, but instead he put his accusers on trial. The glory of God rested on him as he gave the leaders of Israel, a history lesson. I love that church. The Holy Spirit gave Stephen such an edge, such a boldness. He stood his ground. He was not just the food guy. 
He was not just the guy who served the coffee or gave the kids fishy crackers or that turned on the sound system, but he was a messenger for Jesus first in everything he did. So on mission to share the good news to all those who would hear it, accept it, or deny it. So in chapter 7, you see Stephen build his case on Scripture. He says, he spoke of Abraham, the father of the nation, Joseph and the enslavement to Egypt, Moses and the great liberator and lawgiver, as well as King David and Solomon. Stephen tells them that God cannot be limited to one land, one people, or one temple. His salvation embraces the entire world, and his people are people on the move. And as he was concluding, and amid the rising tide of hatred from the audience, Stephen witnessed Jesus. And it says in uh, Acts 7, verse 54, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fists. I can just imagine, you bad person. I'm sure there's another descriptive word they could have used there. God's word is amazing, but shook their fists at him in rage. I bet they were screaming and yelling I bet they were just spitting mad. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven. Where's our focus, church? Where's our focus? In the forms of opposition, when the enemy comes, and the enemy doesn't necessarily mean it's the devil. It could be people. It could be words. It could be hurtfulness. Where's our focus? And Stephen, full of Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, just look. I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Guys, look. But they were so ticked off, so infuriated that they were insulted of their character. The religious character, how dare you speak to me like that? That they could not look up. They saw Stephen. They dragged him out of the city, and it was there they began to stone him. And just like Jesus prayed, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. He forgave them. Stephen forgave those throwing stones at his face and his body. He forgave them in the moment, and with that, he died. Now, although Stephen never left Jerusalem, his message and death paved the way for the gospel to move out of Jerusalem to the Samaritans and eventually to the Gentiles. It was his boldness, his faithful obedience that allowed that to happen. You know, something that was meant to be so terrible, so ugly, something that was meant to bring fear and harm, something that was supposed to shut down the movement of God, only made it more explosive. God turned it around for the, for the move of the good news to speed up, to gain momentum. Jesus said in Acts 1 verse 8, but you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's not just for them. 
that is for today. We have seen the power of the Holy Spirit right in Acts 2. We talked about it. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the upper room and then on the streets, at the temple gates with the healing and in the high priest courtyard, we have seen his power. Church, we have stories where we have seen the power in our personal lives. We have seen the power in our friends' lives. We have seen him work. And it continues to say, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Sometimes we do not see the impact that our faith or prayers have on others, especially those we are in opposition with. I'll say that one more time. Sometimes we do not see the impact that our faith or prayers have on others, especially those we are in opposition with. See, As Stephen died, here comes the ripple effect. A young man watched with satisfaction. He was pleased of the sight of Stephen dying in front of him. And little did he know the ripple effect was about to take off with a man who was opposing God's movement. Saul, standing there. This was just the beginning as he was so intent on starting his own movement. He wanted every believer in jail, and if not, killed. None of you and no one is too far gone. And if you ever wonder if you are, look at Saul. The worst of the worst. The murderer who started a movement against God's movement. That's opposition. When we are walking, uh, when we are walking God, God's will, and we are faithfully obedient to Him, when trials and persecution knock on our door and sometimes burst into our house, hardships or whatever the enemy wants to distract you with, our God is mightier than any enemy and has no no hand in our future. We know that today. He has no hand in our future because our future is filled with hope of the living God. Now, last week, Brad shared of a picture he saw where he was, uh, there was a move of God. And the ground began to shake and began to tremble. And you see, everyone could feel that shake. Everyone could feel the move. But there will be a seeking and a wondering of what is happening especially from those who just don't understand what's happening around them. And when I say the ground will shake, I don't, unless, I'm not saying what God can do. I'm saying probably spiritually shake. It's a spiritual shake. And that's when people are going to turn and run to Jesus. It's because the works of the Holy Spirit is because we are being faithfully obedient to Jesus. You know, on Sunday, December 31st, we shared the word of the ripple effect, and we keep sharing it. It seems to be coming out more and more. And we believe for it to take place here in Charlotte County, and I believe it's already begun. And it will be the move of God that grabs the attention through the faithful obedience, church. That is our mission, to take God's good news and go. To go and be bold. Can we stand together as I start to finish up here? And I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up.
if you're a human, I know there's days where you say, I just need to, just, I just can't. That's, that's what I say. I just can't. God, I just can't right now. It's not happening. Uh-uh. That's my, those are my sentences. And I know that all of us have our moments where we're going, not today. I just can't. I can't do that. But what God is saying is that we can't stop. We can't stop. We need to keep our eyes focused. Even when Stephen, in the face of opposition, just knocking on death's door, he looked up and his eyes were still focused. That's what we need to be doing. We need to stay focused. We can't stop. We can't stop. You need to keep sharing your stories. You need to keep praying those prayers. You need to keep reading God's word. We need to keep going out of our comfort zones, church. We need to keep asking those questions. We need to get involved. We need to keep praying for that boldness. Because once we do that, watch what God's going to do. Watch what God's going to do. And we see it through Acts where they're saying, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. This is God that is at hand. He's doing his thing. Don't be surprised. And we can see what it can be like in Scripture. But I believe there is a move that will happen that we have never experienced before if we don't let opposition take us out. If we don't let opposition tear us down. If we don't let opposition put us against each other. So we need to keep welcoming people. We can't be that tight-knit. I call it a click. Absolutely zero clicks in this place. Nope. Can't happen. Because that's all of a sudden the welcoming's gone. But we are a family that adopts more family. That's what we do. From generations of young to generations of old. And all in between are all accepted here. So there is no opposition among us. There might be need to be for forgiveness and counsel, and, and, and that's normal. That's life. That's life. So we do life together. That's perfectly fine. But we need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus as we do life together. The movement of God cannot be stopped. But are we going to be part of it? That's a question. Saul created a, mo a movement of persecuting believers on mission to stop the movement of God. But instead, God stopped him in his tracks and he was moved by the presence of God and he was empowered by the Holy Spirit and his life was completely transformed. That's what will happen with the opposition we face if we don't back down with our prayer, with our care and our love. Their lives will be completely transformed. Isn't that amazing? Because then if we look at Saul, which I'm not going to, because that's Brad next week. But if you saw him, if we saw him standing right here, would I say, oh, run, exit, exit, get out. Or would I say, Jesus loves you. So there's the challenge. There's many of these, however you want to take it. But the challenge is, who are you all ends with? 
one, who do you need to forgive? Number two, and number three, who do you need to pray for? Who you're in opposition with? Because we all have people, we all have hurts, but for us to keep the movement and the momentum of God going with our faithful obedience, we can't carry all the burdens. We need to give that to Jesus and say, Jesus, I am struggling in this. I want to forgive, so help me pray for that individual. And he will. He will. And you will see release in them, and you will be released. That's the beautiful mess, church. That's the beautiful mess. We say, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And how does God accomplish his will on earth? He does it largely through the faithful obedience of his people. I want to pray for you all. I'm going to read this. It's actually found in Acts 4. And I'm going to pray it over us. Jesus, you see and you hear the opposition in our lives. Give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. I'm not meaning platform unless that is what you're calling individuals to. God, I pray that you give us complete boldness to go out and to speak your love using the stories where you have touched us personally. God, I pray that you will continue to stretch out your hand with healing power. God, right now I ask for healing happening in the room today. Healings of hurt, healings of unforgiveness, God, a lot of things aren't even our fault. And Jesus, I'm not saying that we have to go be buddy-buddy with people, but God, we can extend grace. God, may your miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Jesus, let this ground shake like it shook in the meeting place. God, let it start here and let it go as we walk. God, I, I see that as we walk out, every step we take causes a tremor. It's not actually um, we're here and the ground begins to shake, it goes outwards. It's actually the people going out that is creating the earth to move and the spiritual shake to happen. Because as they go out being faithfully obedient to you, your word is spoken and lives are transformed through your Holy Spirit. It is the, tr it is the shaking of your move through the faithful obedience of your people. God, let us be filled with your Holy Spirit and let us continue to speak with boldness. With all eyes closed, God, I believe you're doing a work in this place today. And so I wanna, I wanna extend two things. One of them is you wanna ask Jesus into your heart. If you've never asked him into your life, I would like to offer that. And how that works is that I just, I say, our prayer and this is not like scripted this is just me talking to Jesus but it helps lead you in talking to Jesus maybe it's your first time and it's asking Jesus to come and forgive you we're talking about forgiveness Jesus loves you so much and that when we ask for forgiveness he extends grace it's a gift that we can receive freely from him and we are forgiven has a place for us in heaven that he is building for us. 
But as that happens, we get to have a personal relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's why we speak about being on mission because once you receive this gift, we want to share the gift to many. That's what we talk about. But if you're here today, I want to give the opportunity that if you're in this place and you've never asked Jesus to be your King of Kings, you never asked them to go, Jesus, I need a relationship with you. I believe in you. If that's you today, my hand is up. Can I see your hand if that's you today? I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anyone else? the next step, even if your hand is not raised, you can still pray this prayer. Just repeat after me, and this is a conversation you're having with Jesus. Dear Jesus, I love you so much. And today you see me as a broken person. But today, Lord, I am fixed because I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to have a relationship with you. Jesus, today, please forgive me as I am a sinful person. And I accept your forgiveness and you're making me completely whole again. church was just saying that prayer you have the king of kings as your personal friend as personal savior as lord he's never going to leave you he's never going to forsake you and the thing is that when you make a friend this friend with Jesus you only have to ask once because he's never going to leave you he's always with you But church, I want to pray. I feel like there's forgiveness that we need to have boldness in today. And there's some of us that might be struggling with this one because there's been hurts. And and I'm talking to myself here too. There's hurts, unforgiveness, things that has happened in our lives. And you know what? God wants to heal you. He wants to take that burden from you. It's not meant for you to carry. It's not meant for you to feel it forever and ever because God's disciplining you. There's zero of that. But instead, God's saying, come to me, those who are weary and heavy laden and find your peace. And just like Jesus has forgiven us, he's modeling that on how we can forgive others. So Jesus, today, you see our hearts. You see the hurts, you've seen the oppositions that we have faced, whether from when we were young to maybe it was yesterday. God, right now I ask that you bring a healing touch to my friends' hearts today. God, that you can come and you fill them up with such wholeness, such truth. God, I ask that you break down the walls of any lies 
that have built up in our lives because of hurtfulness. God, that you come in like a bulldozer and you break us free from that in the name of Jesus. God, I ask that you comfort us in situations where it was not our fault. It wasn't our fault, but yet we carry it. God, today I ask right now, can you just come and take those weights off? I see like hands coming down to your shoulders and there's these weights, like 100 plus pound weights just being lifted with ease from Jesus. And you're gonna feel a, a, a like this, not a break, but a release, like a moment where you're going, I can breathe again. I feel like I can stand tall again. I feel this. It's a physical feeling that you're going to feel. You're going to feel emotionally, but it's a physical feel where you can feel like you're actually going to grow a couple inches because that weight was so heavy. God, we claim that healing in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for the work that you're doing, that you're coming and that you're lifting up those burdens off our shoulders that never once that were for us to carry, but it was placed there as a distraction, as a hurtfulness. God, I claim healing in the name of Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus so we can walk forward in the movement of what you are doing where we walk with love and compassion and grace extending that out and the, and the, and the, and the things underneath us are going to tremble because your move is so strong that people are going to recognize that there's something different. God, because of this healing, because of the forgiveness that is going to take place, there's going to be a breakthrough in Charlotte County. God, I claim breakthrough in Charlotte County. God, I claim that there is a forgiveness that's going to happen in Charlotte County. God, I pray for the hurts and the darkness that has come into this place where the where those walls have been built up. God, that you are just going to walk by and just a gentle blow of your, of your very breath is going to come tumbling down. That you don't have to come in and bulldoze. That is actually the wrong word. You're coming with this a gentle spirit and there's going to be such a release and it starts here today. God, we thank you for the healing that you are bringing in this place. God, we thank you that we are able to receive your touch. God, that you are not too far gone. That you are so near to us. It was us that was running away from you. But instead, you were with us the whole time. Even during the hurts and the pain, you never left us. God, we look to you. God, give us that boldness in us to rise up. That boldness where we can share the stories of your redemption in our personal lives and it's going to be breakthrough in Charlotte County. We're going to do some ministry time. If you're here and you want prayer, we're going to I'm going to be up here and I'm going to ask some of our leaders to come and be available for prayer. And if that's you today, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you because this is the move. For us to move forward, there's some things that we're going to have to adjust. But with the grace of God and His loving compassion towards us, He makes all things possible. And His heart for us is a complete whole church we're going to do ministry time if you need to go we'll see you tonight at life group but if you want to be in his presence stay here a bit longer soak in it pray pray with each other and i'm going to be up front so worship team i'm going to release it to you